Caution, the Mark Hunger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. And, besides that, he's really weird. Welcome to the Mark Gunger Show with international marriage speaker and author of Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, Mark Gunger. This is your source for practical, down-to-earth marriage advice without all the over-spiritualization or romantic nonsense. And now the host of the Mark Gunger Show, Mark Gunger. And the crowd goes wild with delirious joy. They've joined the Mark Gunger Show, the show that deals with all things concerning... Push the right button here. Marriage. Marriage. Indeed. I'm your host, the one, the only Mark Gunger. Joining me is always the ever-lovely and charming Diane Brierly, and, of course, the amazing Philip James Gunger. Engineering the show, as always, the very talented but eerily creepy Timothy Robert Ray. Where's my screechy sounds? Oh, it's too low. There we go. <laughs> Engineer extraordinaire, pushing buttons, pushing knobs, and trying to stay awake during this incomprehensibly, immeasurably boring show. This is the show that handles your marital challenges, relational conundrums, and dating dilemmas that you can email to us at ask, A-S-K, at markgungor.com. Now that I got all my buttons <laughs> and knobs twisted, right? I'm feeling left out today because nobody gave me the tan jacket memo. The tan jacket. Oh, that's right. What were you thinking? <laughs> I have a tan jacket too. Actually, it does. It does. It does color coordinate though. I know. With everything else, because we got that. See, so it's all happening. You're there. It's going on. You're working. You're working it. All right. What do you got? Okay, I love this article. It was brilliantly written. Brilliant by a guy. So it's. I got to read the whole thing because it's so funny. Four simple ways to get your wife in the mood is the name of it. Yeah, right. That's it. If there is one common question that resides in the minds and hearts and pants of men, it is this. How do I get my wife in the mood for sex? Let's be honest. Men can be a little greedy. It's not always good enough just to have sex with their spouse. You want them to actually like it. You want them to want it. You want them to be in the mood for it. Mm -hmm. But this is sometimes oftentimes more difficult to accomplish than one might think. After all, women are very different from men. You probably have heard this saying before, but it's true. Men are like microwaves, while women are slow cookers. In other words, most women don't get turned on by the flip of a switch. (laughs) Usually it takes some stage setting and, dare I say, strategy. But how do you do it? How is the question? Unfortunately, there are a lot of lazy husbands out there, guys who just expect sex, but who don't want to invest in the process. Maybe that's you. Hang on, Margaret. And if it is, let's just say, grow up and stop being such a tool. Brace yourself, woman. However, we do live in a hectic culture with work, kids, and the like. It can prove difficult to lay out a well-conceived, well-executed plan to get your sweetheart in the right mood and in the bedroom. So with that in mind, here are four simple things that you can do that will help get your wife in the mood. Number one, do the dishes. For many women, acts of service are huge on their love language list. Telling her I love you is not as powerful as showing her I love you. When you do things like cook dinner, clean the shower... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy's number one, he's thinking too hard. Number two... (laughs) 
this doesn't come across as easily as he says. Do you know how many women criticize their husbands when they try to do things because they're not doing it the right way? Well, don't wash the dishes that way. Well, don't vacuum like that. Well, don't put those colors together. Listen, it does not mean that you shouldn't try. I'm just he saying. He's writing this to the men who are lazy. Women? See, again, he's buying into the narrative that men are all just lazy slobs. I'm t- Some of them are! <laughs> this is the common frame put out by women's world today. Men are this, men are that, and, and men would just... not all women criticize either. I'm just saying, it's a huge percentage. It's massive. And when a guy tries to do something, and then she keeps criticizing to it, then these women wonder why he didn't want to do it. It's a, it's a, it's a punchline and a million jokes like this. I get it. All right. I get I'm it. just pointing it out. And I am pointing out that he that is start- not the case for all. And there are many men who are lazy because they haven't learned to do things because their mothers did it for them. So there are just as many on one side of the tracks as there are on the other side. Crazy. No, no, no. And now a break for Diane's favorite I'm song. No, no. It's not as easy as saying all you women are wrong, you criticize, because there are lazy I'm not, men with did I say all? women. Did I say all? You didn't say I all. I said Many, a most. majority. I don't even think it's a majority. I do. I, I do. do not. I know everything. I think that there's more of a majority I'm of men who are smartest. lazy that have nothing to do with critical women. I'm the smartest They're just man. lazy. Smartest man in America. They're just lazy. Now, just listen. See, I thought this was a great article, and I haven't even gotten into it hardly. And because you're reading the whole thing. The I don't have that long of attention span. But it's good. Well, tell them to go read it. Uh, no. Give me the Cliff Notes version. Number one, do the dishes. Number, number two, do things. help her. Okay. Number two, get her flowers. Number three, tell her she's great. Okay, slow down number a little four, bit. Number four, touch her. her. <laughs> Not like that. Done. There you go. See, you missed it. The nuances and how he wrote it was so hilarious. And now I can't even do it because you've just blown it out of the water. Just ch- check your medication. It was a little bit there. long, but it was get, worth listening to. It's not actually. Get her it flowers. Was too. What does that mean? Get her flowers. Okay. She likes she likes flowers. She likes you to think of her. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it, what kind of flowers? How many flowers? How big a flower? No. no. See, now you're How just mocking. Flowers? Now no, you're just I, mocking. No, I'm not mocking. Because, yes, you are. No, because what I want to point out to this thing, to the guys is, and I talk about it in my seminar, is that uh, just a simple thing, uh, just a simple rose is all it takes. Yes. A lot of guys think, I can't do it unless I drop... Right. 75 to 150 bucks on flowers.com and stuff like that. So he does it rarely because he doesn't want to spend that kind of money and go through the big production, when in reality, it's just a yes. simple thing. So yes. I'm not criticizing. I'm just yes. adjusting. That's all I'm saying. He should do things, but you want him to do yes. things? Don't criticize the way he yes. does. It. Number two, get him, get her flowers, guys. And I'm yes. talking simple. A couple of flowers, a single rose. It doesn't, but that really goes against a man's nature. Yes. Do you know, despite what I teach you guys, most men will never go buy a single rose because that's insulting to the world of men. Yes. Because a man, it has to be significant and it has to be a big production. Consequently, he does it rarely when if he would just intentionally think, hey, let's just do it simply. It's all you got to do. You walk by a little stand, grab a simple. You don't even have to go to a stand. You even have them in like a lot of these convenience stores now. Roses and stuff. Just grab a little tiny thing. That's all you got to mm-hmm. do. So just telling guys, this is good. Just yes. make it simple. Tell her she's great. That's nice. Okay. Yes. Uh, and touch her, not by just grabbing things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't the points. It was, I thought he did it hilariously, he but I'll have to post it now. He just didn't yeah. want to listen to him say it. I know. It. <laughs> I, it was, it, I will post the whole article just because I think In fact, it's hilarious. He says something simple. <laughs> yes. By the way, 
Uh, I think this is a little bit of a... Of, 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think these guys have it a little wrong. This, I said this for years. I've read it for years and years and years. But there's a new idea that we picked up in my new book, Treat Him Like a Dog, which you should all go buy immediately. Uh, available on our website. It's a hardcover, beautiful, and also now available on, what do you call it? Ebooks. 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 Beep, 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 beep. It's, an illustration. it's fun. It's, it sounds like a bunch of insults, but they're actually ways to succeed with the man. So when we come back from this break, I'm going to show you how I think we've gotten this thing a little bit wrong, that it just takes women longer. Guys, are that's really not the problem, because he mentions it earlier. They, they, want, they want the women to want it, mm-hmm. and they get discouraged by that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about that when we come back from this break. Download your free Mark Gunger app today to see all of the latest from the world of Mark Gunger. Hi, Mark Gunger here talking to you about our T1 program that we have here at our church at Celebration Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It is a transition year program for young people before they go off to college. Here's the situation we have today. Uh, young Christian kids, forget about what the secular world does for a minute. All, we're supposed, I'm talking about the Christian people, devout Christian people. They want the best for their kids. They want to honor God in their lives. The kids go through co- uh, high school. <clears throat> the second they get out of high school, whoosh, they shove them off into college, and, uh, and they never slow down. And then they're off to their careers and stuff like that. Uh, the statistics for that are very, very bad. They say, I don't know who studies this stupid stuff, but they'll say as high as 80% of the Christian kids in evangelical churches give up on their faith about two years into their college experience. It's an unmitigated disaster. We're all trying to figure out programs and stuff like that. How do we fix it? How does it? But here's one of the best ways we can fix it. Slow down. Slow down. You don't need to go running off to college as soon as you get out of high school. We encourage these kids to take a one-year gap program. Now, there's several of them around the country. We have one here in Green Bay. We hope that you'll consider ours. You can go to T1. Is that just the letter Transition T? Transition1.org. Transition1.org. Org. We call it T1R. So it's transition1.org. Look at our uh, one-year program. What it is is instead of running off to college right away, they come and take one year, and they come to this program. Now, it's not a Bible school, uh, but we do teach from the Scriptures, try to build character, but we show them how to do life, how to make decisions, how to be leaders, how to handle money, something you would think people used to learn. They, well, actually, they used to learn this stuff in high school. They don't learn it anymore. They don't learn jack anymore. Uh, how to date, how to make decisions about marriage for your life, all these fundamental things, and we breathe life into these young people and teach them how to do life. At the end of the the last three months of the program, it's, it's a typical school year, the last three months, they go on a missions trip. We have various partners around the world where they go and they serve. Now, a lot of people do these mission trips, short-term mission trips. It's like a week here, seven days here, ten days there. And it's great that they do that seriously. And even those can be life-changing for kids. But let's be honest. It's more a vacation than a missions trip. Seven days? Are you kidding? They're just having fun flying around and seeing stuff. And la, la, la. They come home. It was wonderful. I'm sure it was wonderful. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking three months. You're there. You're living with people. You start finding out that the whole world doesn't have Wi-Fi. Anyway, it's a great experience. The Bible says, put first the kingdom of God. Let's teach our kids that. It'll make a huge difference. Transition1.org. A sweet disposition. You ought to see what she does in the kitchen. Grits and gravy, chicken too, 
My baby even cooks me barbecue. I love my baby. I love my baby. Yeah, I love my baby. Yeah, I love my baby. My baby loves me. All right, the music of Jimmy Bratcher. Check him out, Jimmy Bratcher. Dot com, the electric rev. Okay, so from my new book, brilliant, brilliant book, treat him like a dog. This is from the chapter about treat him like a gynecologist, and uh, and uh, this is this is helpful. Actually, I just added this uh, in the seminar, um, but it has to do with that sexual response cycle that people talk about that they've taught from high school. Okay, and it goes like this: uh, you know, the sex cycle is desire leads to arousal, which leads to the plateau, which leads to the orgasm, which leads to the resolution. You've heard this, right? Everybody's talked mm-hmm. about this for 800 years. All right. So uh, here's the problem. According to the majority of women in some recent studies that I talk about in my brilliant new book, it's not true for the majority of women. They don't lead with desire. Mm-hmm. What they need to be is aroused first. Mm-hmm. And then the desire kicks in. Now, here's the problem. And here, this is where it's really uh, confusing to guys. Because in the beginning, women tend to react like men. In other words, they do lead with... I'll show you the book. Is this, okay. We'll lead with desire, which leads to arousal. Okay. So in the, early, the honeymoon phase of the relationship, if you will, the woman tends to act and respond exactly like a man. At some point, and I don't know what the point is, but at some point, for her, it swaps. And now it's not like that. So she doesn't lead with the desire anymore. She leads. She doesn't lead with anything. She needs to be aroused to kick in the desire. Now, you can understand from a man's standpoint, he feels ripped off. He feels like, hey, wait a minute. I got bait and sw- switched here because she was like this in the beginning, and now she's not. Man, talk to any guy. This is what happens over and over and over and over again. Not all women. Some women, they stay more like a guy. But apparently, according to this, the majority of women, uh, it swaps to where they now... <laughs> I'm trying to figure which on the screen here. <laughs> this, this is the arousal that has happened. So, because women don't lead now, most married women, with desire first, two things happen. One, from the woman's standpoint, she actually feels discouraged, and she feels bad. The comments I've gotten already from women just when I was promoting this was, was interesting. They feel broken. They, feel, they absolutely feel bad because they don't feel all this <laughs> desire ahead of time. Consequently, they think there's something wrong with them, when in fact there is nothing wrong with you. You are what is known as normal, okay? They just don't lead with it. It is what it is. Guys do. So when the guy on the guy's side, now he, like I said, he feels angry, he feels upset, he feels like, what happened? What's the deal? You know, you were this. And there's guys, by the way, who keep running to this over and over again, who will actually go from relationship to relationship to relationship as soon as the swap occurs. Because in the beginning, she has all this, I don't know which I have here. <laughs> Am I the desire here? <laughs> the desire, which leads to the arousal. And then when this swaps over, he doesn't like this anymore, so he finds another chick who has, exhibits all this desire up front. The problem is what he doesn't understand is the same thing will happen to her overwhelmingly. And then, it'll swap. and then he'll do it again. He'll find another chick, another woman. Sometimes, you know, they're just doing this in cheap relationships or they're actually going through marriages doing this. And they'll find another girl because almost all, 100% of the girls out there in the beginning all lead with the desire. 
and then it swaps. I don't know if it's quick, fast, however it works. I don't know what the time frame is. I'm sure it's different for everybody. Then the guy feels robbed by this, so he starts looking for another girl who exhibits all this desire. Consequently, he is now financially devastated, <laughs> and all kinds of people hate him because of all the divorces he's been through and the children that he's traumatized and whatever, okay? Or you got, from the female side, they feel discouraged and broken and there's something wrong with me, and they start developing a very negative attitude towards sex. What they don't understand is that it's absolutely normal, okay? They don't lead so much with desire. The desire and arousal for the woman at some point overwhelmingly swaps. So what a guy needs to know is that she needs to be aroused. This you do with nice things, okay? Doing the dishes, assuming she's not screaming for you at <laughs> how you do them, or the flowers, or saying nice things to her, or touching her in nice ways, not just grabbing stuff, okay? Because, by the way, a lot of guys don't understand, you grabbing stuff for a woman who's not in the mood doesn't feel good to her. It actually can feel uncomfortable to her. Uh, guys have a hard time understanding this because our willies always feel good. <laughs> you could grab most guys with a pair of pliers, <laughs> As long as you don't squeeze too I think hard. I'll try that, actually. <laughs> if you don't squeeze too hard, it still will feel good to a guy. I'm telling you, you bump against accidentally, it's like, ooh, that felt good, okay? What guys don't understand, because so many guys think women are the same way. They just don't get it. So they quickly reach up and grab her boobs or something else, and, and ow, it just it doesn't feel comfortable to her. She doesn't like it. He feels rejected. She, and then the fights start, and all this crazy starts happening. What he understand, has to understand is he needs to arouse the girl through audible, nice things, touching her in nice ways, not just grabbing things, touching her in non-sexual ways, to fire up the arousal, which then kicks in the desire that you used to have up here. It still can be found. It just turns around. Is this making any sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is where a lot of guys, what, what, and the analogy is, well, just women are slow cookers, you know. Well, I guess you can get that analogy that way, but I think that misses the point. The point is she doesn't lead now with this strong desire that uh, she had in the beginning of the relationship, and guys should not get angry or bitter. Guys, very guys, uh, various guys, uh, or guys, many guys are, respond in various degrees to this. They just accept it. They just, uh, it is what it is. Some guys get angry about it. Some guys feel cheated. Other guys will dump their wives to find another wife because they're always changing that, chasing that desire thing leading up front. All they need to know is this is normal. It swaps. Women shouldn't feel bad about themselves. There's nothing broken in you because you don't feel all this desire for sex. Some women feel no desire for sex up front. Zero. It's like a blank sheet. There's nothing there until... He says the nice things to her and touches her, you know, holds her hand, hugs her, rubs her back, whatever, something like that, to where the arousal kicks in. Then the desire kicks in, and off to the races we go. So, hopefully, that helps somebody. These two are asleep, so I don't know what's going no, on. No, I'm apparently, just listening. Apparently, this is really boring nonsense today. Uh, okay, I, I would like you, we'll probably have to take a break, but yes. I would like you to address then the flip side of this when it's... The woman who we get many emails from saying that the husband is the one that has no desire up front, then what? All right. That's a whole different subject. We mm -hmm. can get to that maybe later in the show because when I get back, I want to – actually, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll come back. I'll jump into that right away. So we'll take a break. We'll be back with that question right after this. Have a marriage dilemma? Email your questions to ask at markgunger.com, and Mark can answer them during one of our shows. 
So you call up the preacher and the marriage counselor too. And they don't have an answer, no, no, here's what you can do. You can listen to the Mark Gunger Show and find your answers there. Music of Jimmy Bratcher. Okay, so. Uh, we set out talking about how to get your wife in the mood and, and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, using the old analogy that just women just take a longer time, whereas guys are just instantaneous microwaves. Women are slow cookers. And I guess to a degree that's fine. But I, I think the better thing is what we point out in this new book about the challenging this traditional idea of this sexual response cycle that first you have all this desire, which leads to the arousal and then everything else. Okay. And again, in the beginning, virtually every, every woman has the same response. What they don't understand is at some point, it swaps for the majority of women. It swaps. But without aware that that's normal, she now feels badly because she doesn't have all this desire anymore. It's little to none, some of them. I mean, I talk about it all the time. I mean, I'd, well, especially once they have children. There's just nothing. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of some of these kicks. I don't know. All I know is it swaps. But the reality is if she realizes she's not broken, that she's perfectly fine, and that the guy shouldn't get mad about it, he has to work a little bit more, and guys are lazy, right? Is he, see, that's the best part of the early part of the relationship. The guy has to do nothing because she has all this desire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. And then all of a sudden it swaps. What he doesn't understand is now I need to arouse her by being nice, romantic, and the touching and stuff so that her desire kicks in, okay? Now, as I said, that's the majority of women. You mentioned, well, what about the women who complain the other way around? They're not the majority of women. And clearly, the people who email us are not the majority of anybody. Because <laughs> the majority of people don't email us at all. Normal people. That's why some of our emails tend to be so outrageous. Mm-hmm. Because it's the people on the fringes that are struggling the most and feel so different that they, they reach out. So why would a guy not have desire? It could be all kinds of reasons. Uh, the number one reason is testosterone level. If a man's testosterone level drops, he will stop being interested in sex. And that's all there is to it. Uh, and the reality is a lot of guys, and we see the commercials for it on low T and stuff like that, a lot of men today are experiencing low testosterone. And there's a variety of reasons for it. One is uh, um, this porn thing. Masturbate. The fastest way you can drain your testosterone, guys, is to masturbate. The more guys do it, the more it drains your testosterone, and it messes them up. Uh, the other thing is that we eat so badly in this country uh, and eat things that aren't good for us, but even if you don't get into the what kind of stuff to eat or what not to eat, we eat too much. And what happens for men is they get too fat. And when you get too fat, I forget the word for it. There's a word for it that where it starts taking, your body will take your testosterone and convert it into estrogen. <laughs> and it started happening to me. I mean, it did. I was, I started feeling so weird and feeling different. And I go to the doctor and say, well, your estrogen levels are really high. And I'm going, what? What the heck is that? The main reason is because if you get, it doesn't happen to every man. Again, there's no everything for anybody. But for a lot of guys, they just get a little bit too chunky. And you get a little too chubby. And at a certain age, your body will start taking your testosterone, turning it into estrogen. You'll have all kinds of problems. One of the problems too is your desire will drop down. Easily fixed. Well, if you consider easily losing weight. But you lose weight and you start feeling fine again. Okay? So I, I lost 15 pounds. I feel a lot, a lot better. But that's one of the main reasons. One of the reasons. If your guy, what was it, uh, Pastor Patrick Flynn sent a post on Doctor. his... Uh, Doctor. Patrick Flynn sent, sent a, 
a post on his website. Something along that if your guy isn't uh, chasing you, mm-hmm. he's sick. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. If and, and in fact, he says, uh, if a man quits waking up in the morning with an erection all the time, that's a bad sign for you. There's something wrong with you. And people don't understand that. So they attribute all these other th- problems and issues and stuff like that. So if a man has desire issues, and again, you can never say one answer to everything, but the big, this one this is a huge chunk. The main reason, overwhelming main reason, is the man has lost his testosterone. And, he need, and there's ways for him to get it back that's really actually rather easy uh, for him to do. So that's answering your question. What happens if a guy's lost it? So there's no four simple steps to get your guy in the mood. No, no, it's no, take no. him to the doctor no. and get him checked out. Absolutely. It really is. And yes. quitting feeding him so much, although he'll quit feeding himself. So, <laughs> so it, it is what it is. The other thing, of course, is side effects from drugs and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. if you're taking depression medicine, that'll mess with it and stuff like that. So all these things factor. But anyway, well, I got one other thing I want to talk about this cycle that I think is going to be very helpful to you when we come back right after this break. Caution, the Mark Hunger Show contains adult content intended for an adult audience. Feelings got me down. <laughs> We're back on the Mark Hunger Show talking about love, marriage, and relationship. I want to do one more thing because uh, we're reading in this uh, book, uh, Treat Him Like a Dog. And uh, we're talking about the uh, sexual response cycle that is taught to us from the beginning. Desire, arousal, plateau, climax, resolution. All right. And we talk about how with women this swaps around. Not to despair. It's fine. Just the boy needs to do as the opening article, which I wouldn't let you read, (laughs) was trying to say, be nice, audible, uh, uh, relational things, and, and nice touching. Creates arousal, which then brings the desire, and then everything starts working. But the one thing that so many men don't get in the cycle is that which one do you think they, they blow it on big time? They blow it big time on the plateau. The plateau. It is Literally the plateau. blow it big time. <laughs> big time. Uh, there is the desire, the arousal, the plateau, and the organ. And most, what most guys don't understand is the best guys, listen to me, listen to me, escucha me, pay attention, all right? The best part of this is the plateau. <laughs> The plateau, where you climb the mountain and you look upon the ridge out to the lands below and take in the beautiful scenery. It's a fabulous thing. And then after enjoying that for a while, you can climb the little summit and then (laughs) then it's over. What so many guys do, literally, it's desire, arousal, boom, to the orgasm and it's over with. Well, because as long as they get theirs and the better they get there, the better they think that is. But they don't get it. The best part of this is not the climax, actually. It's really not. I mean, as wonderful as that is, the best enjoyable part of this whole thing is the plateau. The best lover in the world can plateau. But not for oh. guys who grew up masturbating and trying to get the release as quickly as they could. Because that's what masturbating when you're a child... Because, yeah, you're trying to not get caught by somebody walking in the bathroom or whatever, so they teach themselves to climax as quickly as possible. Exactly right. Yep. Which, which makes them a lousy lover, which means a woman now almost never orgasms, which means her interest in sex drops to the floor. He wants to have sex. Why? Why? Hop on, hop off? No, yeah, I don't think it, so. Does it, you know, wax on, wax off. Does, does, does nothing for her. Mm-hmm. And these guys, what they don't understand, the guys, I don't know who's teaching them this stuff, 
They think that this is the this is not great sex. If you can't plateau, and I honestly don't know where they go because I, even among secular writers and stuff, they talk about this all the time: how to increase your stamina, if stamina, mm-hmm. if you will. This is common in man world. How so many men? Because here's the crazy thing: they say the majority of men in America today, two minutes is over. Well, it goes back to, I think, what we talked about a few shows ago, where it's the influence of the media. Because if you watch, which we discussed, you are inundated with the whole sex thing and movies and TV shows and all of that. It's all real done quickly. Really like, real fast. Real quick, yeah. Really. Even yeah. Now, they usually yeah. fade away and you know no, kind of no, what happened. No, not even. But the ones where they don't fade away, it is done. Yeah, yeah. It's done in two minutes. It's over with. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Seriously, no. there's no way. There's no way. He's on, he's done, it's it's over. And even for the man, that is not the best experience mm-hmm. ever. It is absurd. It is absurd. Dudes, you should be able to go for a long time. Oh. I tell you, between the TV programming and the masturbation programming, that's the that has to cover the majority it of men. It has to. The majority of men mm-hmm. in America, really? Two minutes? These are guys who have no idea. They are not enjoying real sex. They just have this urge, they get over with, and they, they're robbing themselves. They rob themselves and their spouse. You need to learn how to plateau. Plateau. The word of today. Plateau. Anyway. All right, so much for all that. All by your initial. Got 34 minutes out of something that you didn't even give me three for. Good night. I'd rather hear my own thoughts than somebody I else's. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I just was going through all of this last night. I read the article. I thought it was so entertaining. I was giggling. I thought it was so well done the way he wrote it. He was you can brilliant. Post it. You can post it. I post didn't it even get our... to show. I was so excited about sharing that today. Nope. Stomp. Stomp. All right. Okay. First actual email of the day. Are you ready? I am. She, this is very different. We, I don't think we've ever had this question before. She says, I love this man and he loves me, but in an effort to honor my parents, we have encountered a daunting roadblock. My mother believes that divorce is a curse passed on to the third and fourth generation, according to Exodus 34. Mm-hmm. His grandparents divorced, then his parents. Uh, my mom believes it could happen to us, but neither he nor I believe in divorce, and we both want to love and worship God together. He's 22, I'm 29. I want to give us a fighting chance, but I also know I need my parents' blessing, as God says I must honor them. My dad is okay with it and totally for him, but my mom has reservations, and my dad doesn't want to fight with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to know, do you believe in generational curses? Can't imagine God would punish someone just because two generations before him made mistakes. I have been reading my Bible my whole life, and I have gone over and over the passage again, but I cannot see what my mom is seeing, and I just don't want to upset God, but we do love each other, and I know there is an age gap, but like I said, I want to give us a chance, a real chance. What do you think? Okay, here's what I think. I think you're thinking wrong, and I think your mom's thinking wrong, and there's a lot of Christians who think wrong in this area. Okay, first of all, what is the obsession with Christians and the Old Testament? I don't know. I don't know. Do you know all the jacked up? You can always find crazy. You'll always find a crazy version of Christianity. They're always quoting the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Always. People who actually focus on the New Testament is where we're supposed to focus. Don't tend to be, I don't know, crazy or whacked out or off, off kilter and stuff. It's always people calling, quoting the Old Testament. We don't live by the Old Testament. That's why it's called Old. The New Testament. Now, 
Whether or not there are generation or were or even still to this day generational curses, I I don't know. So I do know this: Jesus Christ breaks every curse in your life. Mm-hmm. When you become a Christian, it's done. There are no more generational curses. The cross breaks every everything from the Old Testament was without the cross, was without grace, was without the victory power of God, other than God striking people dead. <laughs> swallowing up an opposing army. I guess that was a victory day. But in terms of personal insight, do not live by the Old Testament. Your mother, who I'm sure claims to be a Christian, is a woman who doesn't understand the Bible. And But it's not her fault. You know what pastors get up and talk about? You know, there's generational cars. We need to learn how to break. You don't need to learn anything. You need to walk in the victory that comes in Christ. In Jesus Christ, the cross breaks all that stuff. For heaven's sakes. And the other thing that she's failing is that she thinks she has to have her parents' permission to get married. You do not. Well, because it says so, again, in the Old Testament, of course, the New Testament says, honor your mother and father. So well, that's what that, she that said. carries over. Okay, that's fine. But Jesus, here's what Jesus said. <laughs> Don't think that I came to bring a peace, to bring peace. Wouldn't you think everybody thinks Jesus came to bring peace? Yeah. Then why would Jesus say, Don't think I came to bring peace? He says, I came to turn a father. <laughs> against the son, a mother, against his, her mother-in-law. Why? Because at some point, you have to honor God. When it comes between doing the right thing and what your parents do, your parents can respectively stick it. Okay? Now, outside of that, yes, you should honor your parents and you respect them and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes, what basically Jesus is teaching, when it comes to doing the right thing, following Him, mm-hmm. and what your parents do, your parents can stuff it. All right? Again, fundamental misunderstanding of New Testament teaching. You're, the wrong thing is for you not to get married and keep dragging this out and you eventually start fornicating with your boyfriend. That, your mother doesn't quite grasp, is sin. All right? That is wrong. Read. No, her mother doesn't want to delay it. Her mother doesn't think she should marry him at all. Oh, well, she's wrong. She should go on she's and find wrong. somebody else. Yeah, but, but she says, I have to wait for her. But no, you don't. Man, my parents... <laughs> Didn't want me to get married. They didn't. We should have made a prayer. No, you're crazy. Good grief. You need to honor God first. It's like, should you obey the law? Yes. yes. But at some point, the disciples told the leaders of the day, we need to obey God rather than man. You do it respectfully. You can still honor like your parents when you don't do what they say. I say, tell them to stuff it with us. That's not, that's no. not respectable. I say, respectfully, tell them to stuff. You're basically telling them not to do it. All right? But you can be nice about it. Man, don't think, man, any of you guys sitting around, and I'm stunned at how many single people today literally are not getting married or doing whatever because mom and dad say. They, they feel called to the mission. They want to go to the mission mm-hmm. field and serve God, but they won't because... Mom doesn't want him to do it, or dad doesn't want him to do it, and I need to honor. You're crazy. That's not what that means. You put God first. Your parents. Here's the here's the pecking order. Uh, in in a nutshell, God and your parents. Okay, it's never parents over God. If God wants you to do something and your parents don't, you ignore your parents. Well, you do it respectfully. Say, listen, we're going to honor God. So, number one, your mom's wrong, but don't beat her up on that. There's so many, especially Word of Faith, Pentecostal type people who've been taught all this cursed stuff, and I don't know what the heck they're talking about. For heaven's sakes, Jesus has set us free. There's not generational curses out there on you anymore. Goodness gracious. And, secondly, don't think you need your parents' permission. You don't. 
You don't. She's a 29-year-old woman? Yeah. Good Lord, you're a grown woman. Get on with your life. You should have been married already by now with five kids, for heaven's sakes. 29 years old. Goodness gracious. She doesn't want you to get married? Just thank you. I'll invite her to the wedding. I love you. Why are you giving me? Because I, I believe this is the right thing to do. We just want to honor God. Well, you got to honor your parents. Okay. We are honoring you by sending you an invitation <laughs> to the wedding. Two major. And, and what's so frustrating to me is how many people I've seen on both of those okay. things. Is There's just no reason Okay. I would like you to clarify. All right. When we come back, okay. clarify the difference between respectfully disagreeing and doing what you want with your parents and the concept that you talk about of letting people speak into your life on the relationships that you have. You know? Okay. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? I will do because that. you say take input from others, but yet at the same time you're saying yeah, sure. tell your parents to stuff it. So I want you to clarify. Is those there two a positions. contradiction afoot? We'll take a look at that right after this. Want more of Mark? Visit markgunger.com. There you will find everything that Mark has to offer. Well, now, please don't give me all that lip. Stop acting like you, you are, are so hip. hip. You know you want it. Yes, you can. You want a, a bologna, bologna sandwich, sandwich, man. So come on. Feed me that baloney. You're listening to the Mark Garner Show. We give you more baloney than any other show on relationships. Tons of baloney. Mm-hmm. Comes. Mm-hmm. Comes by the kilo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the pound. Whatever. Gross. Mm-hmm. You get baloney by the gross. Mm-hmm. All right. Now you had a question about something. Pause I had it. a question because you're saying you don't need your parents' blessing. Tell them to stuff it yeah. if you want to get married. They don't yeah. want you to. Yeah. But you also make a very big point about taking the input from other people yeah. and listen to what your family says when yes, you're dating yes. and if there's someone that they don't like. I don't think there's, a contra- there's not a contradiction there. Is that you should listen to the input of people. But you're not obligated just because you have one friend who doesn't like something to change your whole life for that friend. I think it's still what wisdom listens you know, it doesn't, doesn't, you know, sometimes, sometimes my wife, I'll ask her advice on something. Mm-hmm. And after listening to her, I'll go, okay, yeah, but I don't, I don't think I'll do that. And then she gets mad. Well, why'd you ask my advice? So I wasn't asking you to tell me what to, there's a difference between advice and telling you what to do. Or if you're not going to do what I tell, I didn't want you to tell me what, I wanted your advice. I wanted to hear your input. That's all. I think it's wise to listen to him whenever anybody makes it a, a, a president of a company, country, or whatever gets together, even if a company gets together, mm-hmm. he listens to people. He takes advice, and then he has to make a decision. doesn't mean he ignored all the advice or didn't listen to the advice. If you don't listen to advice, then you're, you're, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. But you want to hear the advice. But you can't. In fact, it's virtually impossible to agree with, do everything everybody says. Right. One person says go to the left, the other one says right, right. So the other one says stay in the middle, the other one says go a little bit to the left, a little off. You know, you listen to all the advice and then you make a choice. So it's not a contradiction. You should listen to parents and everybody else during the dating process, get input from them because they can see things you don't see. But when you make a decision, you need to make the decision and move forward. It is the right thing, biblically speaking, for you to marry. It is just that simple. If your parents disagree with you, you're very respectful about it and say, okay, fine. Uh, you know, but we're going to do it because we feel that's what God wants us to do. That's all. That's all you got to do. You can spiritualize it. You can do whatever you want because uh, it's the right thing to do because at the end of the day, we need to do the right thing. We need to obey God rather than man. God is very clear about what is right and how to live life. Uh, so you just say this. Now, I'm a hyperbolist. 
I don't literally mean tell your parents to stop it. Well, people don't listen in hyperbole. They I listen know. to They're what you say. Literally. That's why I'm asking well, for clarification because I hear what people are thinking in my head. That's why we only have 12 people that listen to the show. All right? They get it. You don't literally tell your parents, hey, stuff it. I'm going to do what's right. <laughs> I'm saying respectfully tell them to stop. In other words, you're telling them not to, you're not going to listen to them, but you do it respectfully. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I'm not. But like in this case, the mother apparently really thinks this is a bad idea. Fine. You listen to her and say, okay, I heard your input. I heard what you had to say. I understand you're stuck in the Old Testament. You don't understand the power of the cross. No, you don't say that to her. No, no, no. You just just, just listen to her. Okay, I've heard you. uh, But my decision now is to marry. And for this woman to think, this grown woman who should be married and have half a dozen kids by now, still hasn't even gotten married. She's pushing 30 years old, for heaven's sakes, girl, get on with it. By the way, and I know this gets a lot of women upset, these are exactly the kind of women, they get married and then they can't have babies. Mm-hmm. And they're crying their eyes out. And they say, God, why don't you answer my prayer for babies? And then he spent all kinds of money trying to get pregnant because they saved all this money in the first place. What was the point of all this? You guys should marry earlier. Now, if you didn't have anybody to marry and you didn't meet this guy until this last week, all right, then fine. Whatever, it is what it is. But get on with it. Don't be dinking around and thinking that now, as a 29-year-old grown woman, you still have to obey your parents. Adults don't have to obey their parents. You need to honor them. There's a difference. She's interpreting it as obey. Mm-hmm. If your mom says, do such and you don't have to do it. You do if you're three. Mm-hmm. Children should obey their parents when you're grown. There is a big difference between honoring and obeying. Big. Yes, big difference. All right. Even when someone says, uh, you know, uh, you know, the government says we can't do something against our faith. You know, we don't have to be disrespectful to the government. We just say no. We're, we're going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Okay. So it's not nearly as complicated. I'm just so, so disturbed by how many people actually still ask adults, grown. Adult men and women in their 30s still waiting for permission because they can't make a decision on things like marriage or anything else and they hide behind this thing, well, the Bible says I should obey my parents. <laughs> no, it says children should obey your parents. Well, I don't think that they're hiding behind it. They may I, genuinely believe that that's what they're supposed to do. Like she said, I don't want to you know, upset God because she's not, not doing what she needs God. to. Read what Jesus said. Turn a father against his son, mother against her daughter. What happened? Why wouldn't that happen? When someone wants to do the right thing and the other one doesn't. You're, Jesus said, look, at some point you need to do the right thing. You need to honor me. I'm first. I'm Lord of heaven and earth. And I supersede even your parents. That's what he's trying to say. So, again, you're a grown woman. You want to marry this boy. You listen to her, your mother, which shows respect. And now, okay, respectfully, you marry the boy. It's just that simple. And are you doing, my parents were divorced, my wife's parents were divorced. How come I'm not? Well, that's what people talk about generational curses. It's not, I don't believe in the curse part of it. I believe what you were raised in and the mindset you have and the sort of patterns and things that were implanted in you can cause someone to repeat it, not but necessarily. It doesn't really say generational curses. What does it say? Uh, I will pass a curse to generate. No. Yes. Yes, I, no, I will revisit or will be revisited on to the third and fourth generation. It's talking about the judgment and anger of yes. God. It's an Old Testament concept, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> And from that, they generate this idea of curses. They don't even say curses. 
No. It, we run around saying generational curses, and millions of people know what I'm talking about right now. Oh, yeah, yeah generational oh, yeah. curses. The Bible doesn't even say that. Yeah. Well, that sets us up because some pastor or evangelist on TV said, you know, I'll visit until the third or fourth generation. Therefore, that's a curse. These are generational curses, and you got to watch out for these. It's got to be people all paranoid, and that's not what it says in the first place. It's just what you learn. <clears throat> it's what you learn. I know, and I'm telling her. She and if it's a curse from God, there's not much you can do about that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> If really? it is indeed... These are curses from God. God says, I will... He's talking about people who have hardened their heart, rebelled against them, and I'm going to kick your butt for the third... That's it's a curse from God. It's a judgment from God. We don't live under that anymore. You think you become a born-again Christian, and then God is still going to smack you for what your grandpa did? That's a frightening version of God, if that's true. Well, th- but again, it's not what it says. What they do is they take some of these verses and they create a whole other doctrine that's even off from that verse. There are generational curses. That's why if there's alcoholics in your life, it's a generational curse, and you need to get together and break the curses and stuff. They just make this stuff out of whole cloth. It's not what the Bible says. When you talk about revisiting, God is not today revisiting you for the sins of your father. For heaven's sakes, there are no, as they describe general curses, there are none. There's no such thing as a generational curse of God on your life because of something your grandpappy did. So anyway, you know, you want to get, go buy their books on generational, do whatever you want, I don't care. This most show isn't about generational curses. What it is is just telling you what I think. What I think is they're wrong. There is no such thing as a generational curse. And it makes no sense because the cross breaks all curses. And first of all, it is not really a curse in the first place. Have we gone long? Yes. We've gone long. Okay. We need a break. We'll ramble more when we get back, right after this. Attend Mark's Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event. Visit LaughYourWay.com for upcoming dates and locations. Music of Michael O'Brien. Check out his music at MichaelO.org. Okay, so... We're going to finish up with this last segment on this whole. Would you just read the verse that they're talking There's about? There's four different verses in the Old Testament. It's a simplified version of it, just the simplest. All four of them basically say about God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Okay, you listen to this. This is God. This is Old Testament. Old Testament thinking. I still hear music in my ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Old Testament thinking where God is going to Punish the children for the sins of the parents. This is so Old Testament. This is so law of Moses. Do you really think today, since grace has come and Jesus has come, that God has gone around punishing you, for not for your sins, but for the sins of your great-grandfather? Come on! You Christians going around talking about generational curse, you don't even know what you're talking about. It is absurd. It is patently absurd. It is absolutely unbiblical at this point. In the Old Testament, according to the Old Testament law, you mean the law that should stone you to death if you curse? Mm-hmm. You mean the Old Testament law that should stone you to death if you worked on a Saturday? You mean the, Thank God we don't live by that stuff. Quit talking as people of faith, Christians today, about generational curses. It's patently absurd. Absurd, dumb, stupid, ignorant, (laughs) false, heretical. It is nonsense. What an insult to the grace of Jesus Christ. That you can't walk in the grace of God today because God is still punishing you. Mm -hmm. And he says, for those who hate me. Mm -hmm. Do you hate God, people? 
All you be, and he says, for, I do that for those who hate me, right? It was one of those Two says, of the four say for those who hate me, yeah, the other two. For those not. who hate me. So you hate God? I suppose you're going on hating God as a born again Christian? I suppose, yeah, you might have some curse problems. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Quit thinking about these curses. Walk in victory today. Hallelujah. See ya. Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle.